Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have Mark Stone's back issues kept him out of the lineup again? Kelly McCrimmon tells NHL.com VGK needs to play better at home and they need to get healthy. And uh, we are going to be talking about, uh, in part, do you feel that the Golden Knights struggles, uh, injuries, all of that is related to signing too many players to long-term contracts? Are they bogged down with these long-term contracts? Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. You can find us on Twitter. Of course, we are at Locked On Golden Knights, Locked On VGK on Twitter, Locked On Golden Knights on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe at Tony Dasco at TD Chris G. So, Chris, according to Dr. Frank Saravelli, Mark Stone, the VGK captain, uh, he's uh, had this back injury that he, we saw last season, kept him out of action. And according to Saravelli, he says that Mark Stone is hurt again. Same back injury, perhaps, who knows? But as we know, like when you have a back issue, uh, it really never goes away. We've talked about this stone undergoing that back surgery over the off season, uh, the lumbar disectomy and uh, has stone. Yeah, you like that. I went how to go there with my uh, medical knowledge. I said that wrong. So the, the show, Tony, it was, it was the one show I did by myself. I actually uh, said that the wrong way. And uh, did I say and, it the uh, right way? No, you said it the right way. You said okay. it the right way. I, I was using um, what um, a male, and we're not moving on from that. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough right now. And you go on random Facebook forums and Twitter and any other social aspect right now. And everyone's talking, is his career over? Is this the end? Uh, is this going to keep on happening? Or on the other side, are we uh, cooking the books a little bit right now? And all of a sudden, Stone needs to, uh, you know, be shut down magically until about April the 18th or whenever the season ends or something like that. They're all valid questions right now. They're all valid concerns right now. And I don't think a world exists where VGK is just going to, you know, say, okay, we're going to have our captain for, you know, 40 or so games and we're going to shut him down for the second half. And then we're magically going to get all these players, although it's not a bad conspiracy theory and it's a, a fair conspiracy theory. At the end of the day, though, we did see what happened last year when Mark Stone was off the ice for an extended period of time. That is when things went bad. That is when we went from, you know, comfortably in the playoffs, leading the Pacific to no longer comfortably in the playoffs, not leading the Pacific. And in a matter of weeks, it felt like all of a sudden we were chasing points and, losing shootouts and losing big games and not getting good efforts. And Mark Stone is a big part of that. So many uh, people were asking in the locker room uh, with uh, Nick Hague and Riley Smith on Monday, what is it like not having Mark Stone on the bench, that intensity and around the practices and stuff. And, you know, a common answer, we don't want one person to, you know, dictate, you know, how things go and stuff like that, but it's noticeable. You need your captain. That's why he's the captain. So him not being out there is a major blow. Is this going to be a week or two? Is this going to be a month or two? Is this going to be forever? All those are valid questions. If I had to guess, I think VGK is going to play this a little bit safe. Are they maybe going to cook the books a little bit? 
Why not? Yeah. So he missed 45 games last season due to those back issues. He's currently listed, as you mentioned, week to week with the upper body injury. And at times this season, Chris, we have noticed ourselves that it appeared as though Stone was about to break down. He just has not looked right at times. And we've commented on this repeatedly on the show. Early in the season, he looked stiff. He looked slow at times. There's times he would fall down. And as he's getting up, it, it takes him a second. Like these are professional athletes. They fall down all the time. They pop right back up in stride usually. And there's times, you know, listen, someone like me falls on the ice. It takes me to get down on all fours and to kind of carefully work <laughs> my way up. Let's just call it what it is. Um, it takes kids who are, you know, much better skaters than myself. It takes them maybe a second, but they can probably do it in stride. These are professional athletes who basically practice this sort of thing. And there are times we've seen Mark Stone get on all fours, get his edge and just kind of carefully get up. And also in the same token, I had been complimenting how I felt his skating has improved and how confident he seemed like he was out there. We talked about that probably as soon as a show last, I don't know, early last week, I had mentioned that. So I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's, and we're going to talk about the aging roster and these long-term contracts and the vets later on, but it is a fair question to ask is Mark Stone's body breaking down. I'm not ready to say, yes, it's breaking down. He's on the end. That, that's not what I'm saying. Are all these years of being a professional athlete catching up to him? It catches up to everybody and it catches up to everybody differently. And it's not like, you know, you said, like you said a second ago, you, back injuries, back surgeries, you're, you're never the same after, after each one, it gets a little bit worse. I got back pain. I'm sure you got back pain. I'm sure everyone listening has back pain and some people have gone through the surgeries and stuff. And this isn't Tommy John where you, where you have the surgery, you're gone for a long time, but you come back stronger. It's not how the back works. I'm not a doctor by any means. I uh, don't have any medical knowledge beyond uh, reading what's on a pill bottle but I can pretty confidently say there's not a whole lot of back surgeries that you come back better from. If anything, it's just getting you to be a serviceable athlete to keep you on the court, on the ice, on the field, on whatever you're playing surfaces. So, yeah. So I have back issues and the doctors told me six months I'd have to be down. I'd have to learn how to walk again, right. After the surgery Pass. and, and all that. Right. Give so give me, pills. I like, yeah, I just, I, well, I'm okay. I just have a high tolerance of pain. I do a show every morning at 7 a.m. But I wanted to uh, also talk, you know, we've seen the impact already of Stone's absence. And uh, we have to definitely, we have to heed what Sarah Valley said, right? Because we've seen this act before, uh, Robin Leonard denying that he had all those injuries. But at the end of the day, Sarah Valley's got some very good contacts. And I think that we need to believe him. But one question that definitely exists in the back of my mind did Mark Stone come back too soon, too early from the surgery? He, he, uh, he had the surgery in May, and he's back on the ice skating in October. It, it's all fair. I mean, Robin Leonard, geez, there's a whole nother uh, story for, an, for another podcast, unfortunately for him right now. But back to Cerevelli, you know, Cerevelli knows what he's talking about. And we did learn this last year where Leonard claiming I'm not injured, you know, whatever the comments were towards Cerevelli <laughs> and even what Emily Kaplan as well. Now that we're, we're digging back into the archives here, all these things that were said and, you know, Robin Leonard and the team was pretty uh, adamant against all that. Well, he was right last time. So I didn't see the necessarily 
full nature of Cerevelli's comments. I think what he would, he has a show or he was on a pod and was it a claim that he looks injured? Is he citing sources? Like what was the, what was the full nature of what he said? Uh, he had sources that had told okay. him internally, you know, what was going on. So I definitely believe uh, what he says because he does his homework, obviously. And the he doctor. He could have gloated, <laughs> Dr. Sarah. He could have gloated like after everything started to break down with the letter, but he didn't. No, no, because he knows that his sources are solid and he didn't have to play that stupid game with the panda and go back and forth. But uh, now who replaces Mark Stone? That is of a greater concern. So, folks, pardon me. I keep looking over. I got a different device going on. Normally, I, I can see my playback. So it's a bad habit. I'm looking over. It's not that I'm looking at something more. You know, I'm just trying to keep an eye on Tony here. And make I'm sure not doing not the Max Headroom thing again, am I? No, no. I mean, knock on wood, your camera issues got better from the opening of the show. We, we've we been having some tef- technical difficulties, friends. So and I we're guess, both uh, such techie guys. Right. Yeah. Imagine. So apologies for that. But I think we're OK right now. I only want to knock on my desk because something might get unplugged. <laughs> something but... might fall apart. Yeah, It'll no, no like, doubt. I mean, I put this thing together like a year and Mark, a half ago. It's and the it's, Mark Stone of computers right there. Ooh, ouch. Too soon. So who is going to replace Mark Stone? And, you know, maybe this is the money ball thing, right? We're not looking to recreate Mark Stone. We're looking to recreate Mark Stone's output. I watched Moneyball like twice yesterday, by the way. It was awesome. Love that movie. So we're looking for, then this is like the Max Pacioretty conversation you and I had. How is Max Pacioretty's output going to be replaced? And it wasn't simply one player. It was Jack Eichel. It was Riley Smith improving his goals. It was Mark Stone we talked about. Oh, there it goes. It was Mark Stone improving his output. And then, you know, some unsung heroes emerging like Will Carrier. Will Carrier, folks, I know, but I have to go with what the coach says. So it's the same thing right now. It's going to be from internal. Um you know, Sheldon Rimpal, I thought that might be uh, an interesting option that he didn't necessarily get the job done in his few games. Ron Bierg is fine at the AHL level, but he's not cracking through at the NHL level. We got uh, freeze up. He's not getting it done. So, you know, and Brennan Brisson, um, he's around T-Mobile. I can I can tell you that right now, confidently. I was on elevator with him the other day. But he, at the AHL level, he's getting some points. I think he's 16 and 24, 16 points, 24 games if I – recall so he's noticeable but his game isn't noticeable so you can't tell me you're gonna have someone like that who's okay at the AHL level it's just gonna click at the national league it's that's not how it works at least in my uh very amateur on doctor like opinion so this is where we look at the lineup internally and this is where the misfit line needs to carry this team right now They are the line that's been together since day one on and off and have done so, so well. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show. I think I talked about this at the last game I covered. The Misfit line is the one consistency that this team has had since its inception. They are the ones that need to lead and they got to put goals up. That's the only way they're going to, you're going to measure their success, right? If they are scoring goals. So I think it starts with the misfit line and Jack Eichel, he found his game and now his line mates are changing and his game has been different lately. And Chandler Stevenson, put him on a milk carton, Tony, put him on a milk carton. He started on line three, then he went to line one, but I believe Chandler Stevenson is now one shot in four games and Jack Eichel doesn't have a whole lot more. So Eichel had the game with 10 shots on goal. He had none. And then the last game, one shot on goal, I believe. Yeah, and he's uh, they're just not, not they're just not right. There's no chemistry with the lines that they're on. All 
this jumbling of lines, it's affecting them. It definitely is. It, no, you're a thousand percent right. And, you know, my next question, you know, depending on how the game goes tomorrow nights, um, I do want to, you know, not just a, not just the coach, but the players a little bit, you know, depending on who comes out for the postgame interviews and what the mood of the locker room is. But I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to get their perspective about being with different players, especially Jack Eichel, especially Chandler Stevenson. I'm curious if they'll give anything more than a carbon answer, you got to play with the players that go out there and we practice together. You know, there's, there's, that's, I call BS on that. There's, there's much more to it than that. And I'm curious what goes into Cassidy's perspective about changing lines. Cause again, I was very critical. It was, I believe the Seattle Vancouver back-to-back games. I could be wrong, but Seattle, they fall down to nothing quick, right? Jumbled lines, March or so sits because he made a boo-boo out there and all of a sudden the game is tied. And then they go back to the regular lines and they get blown out of the water. Okay, fine. Whatever. I, I understand. It's a brand new game. We're starting at level. So we're going to see if the boys can get it figured out with their line mate, their traditional line mates. But the next night, they got absolutely nothing going against Vancouver. I, th- I hope I'm getting this right. They got nothing going. And he kept the lines the same the whole game. And then now it's just, it's a high speed blender. It's that funny meme that y'all keep putting out there with that person with the long hair shaking, you know, I'm not even going to try to recreate that because my computer might fall apart. But point being is, you know, there needs to be some consistency. And uh, Dan Duba's mentioned this uh, at least once on the post game. What is the proper mix of letting the guys figure it out? And maybe you do sacrifice another game to keep the lines together the whole time, because maybe it leads to three or four victories after that. I don't know. And this is where our uh, coach, you know, with an eight figure uh, salary needs to figure this out. So you're covering the game tomorrow, right? Mostly. Yeah. I technically haven't been fully approved yet, but I sent okay. it in. I think it's a 99% chance I'll be there. Okay. My so. bet, the best part of when you asked a question uh, of Bruce Cassidy is when he used the word fricket in there. Cause I haven't heard him use that except with you. So he freaking knows who you are, man. Coming up next, Kelly McCrimmon tells NHL.com. The Golden Knights need to only worry about themselves. All these teams are starting to close ground like crazy, right? They are all coming from every which way, including Edmonton last night. Plus, he wants BGK, duh, to play better at home. We'll get into that after this on Lockdown Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information for stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league that's out there from pro football to, of course, basketball, NBA and college hoops and the NHL. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest, the easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We come to you each and every day, Monday through Friday. We definitely appreciate you subscribing to our YouTube channel, Lockdown Golden Knights. And Chris. Appreciate so you guys sticking in the boxing ring with us with our technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, thanks for hanging in there with us. And I know that the fans appreciate us with all the craziness that goes on. Uh, so Nick Kasanika yesterday. Uh, wrote a story that was uh, released in which he interviews Kelly McCrimmon at the college all-star game, which is being played in Michigan. So 
Uh, McCrimmon said he is not looking at the teams in the division in the conference that are starting to close all this ground, just VGK. He believes that the fast start, like us, like many, um, helped VGK. And we haven't heard much from McCrimmon, so this is why I I think it kind of piqued my interest yesterday. Um, He said that, you know, the early start, the quick start, helped this team turn the page after the injury plague uh, last season. And so Cassidy, he said, um, he talked about him on Cassidy, said he's a highly intelligent coach. He said he pushes players hard and holds the team accountable. Now, do we believe this? Oh, I definitely think he told the team accountable, Tony. I mean, I, I see firsthand the things he says in a public setting to us and the, how he pointed out March or so having a stick in the wrong place after the Edmonton game about the leadership in the locker room, not conveying the importance of division games, which were now what five, seven and two or something like that. Five, whatever the number is, it's terrible. Um, and then obviously my question, how he went back to the leadership again, and it's his job to get the guys ready at practice it's the player's job to execute once the game starts and to motivate each other. And there's only so much he can do when the game starts. And that's a fair statement. I mean, obviously he's calling out the lines and the rotations to work with the assistants, trying to, you know, blenderize whatever terminology you want to use. That part is on him. But at the end of the day, Cassidy cannot control Braden McNabb hitting that puck into Amadio's foot and Jamie Ben finding it and walking right in and getting a goal. Like, that's not Coach Cassidy's job. These are professional athletes that need to pass and execute properly. Is he the accountability? I mean, the accountability is certainly there, and I don't think Cassidy is here making any friends. He's definitely not making any friends. I can feel pretty confident in that statement. But he's coaching his way. He's doing the job the way he wants to. And I got to chuckle, Tony, going through this uh, link that you sent me from from McCrimmon's talk, and the popular word was here. The Golden Knights got off to a 13-2 start. At that point, they had the best record in the NHL. It was unsustainable. But it they used reinvigorated the word unsustainable Vegas. in there. So. They put the unsustainable in there. And then, so I want to go back That's now. Great. So That was good. It's, it's almost a, as freaking good as you, as Cassidy saying like freaking. So segue now for my tweet that I put out yesterday. Only had 250 views. I thought, thought this was a good tweet. Since starting 15-3, and three, the Golden Knights have earned 28 of a possible 54 points for a, for a points percentage of 519, which would rank them 20th in the NHL overall and 6th in the Pacific. Obviously, you know, there are bad times. You have to look at, look at the totality of everything. But point being is right now, this is a barely 500 team that is playing like a team that is borderline bottom third of the NHL. And that was before we'd started missing Mark Stone. Most of these stats have come. So now we have to do this without Mark Stone for week to week. Shea Theodore's week to week. It's been a month and a half. All right. It's been a month and a half since Shea Theodore has gone down and he's week to week. So we have to assume the best case scenario for Mark Stone is mid-February, early March, if he doesn't get shut down. Like if he really does have, and I think he does have an injury right now, there is something bothering him. He should not be rushed back for two reasons. One, because like you said, Tony, I don't think I answered your question. Did he get back on the ice too soon from his timetable of surgery in May and back on the ice in October? The answer very well might be yes, based on what's happening right now. 
if he's ready to play in mid-March, in the end of March, why, why rush him back at this point? Give him every minute he needs for the playoffs. Hope we make the playoffs. Right now, we won't make the playoffs at this current pace. That's the first statements. Now, what does Mark Stone sitting open up? Well, Patrick Kane, other high, high-salaried free agents that are going to be traded. So, you know, is it cooking the books? Fine. It's cooking the books. I don't care. Every dang team does it and cook the books, sit them down until the playoffs start. Let's get someone else who is going to help this team in a very big way, because you're not going to replace Mark Stone by himself with the internal players. But someone like Patrick Kane at least can put a few goals on the board at a, at T-Mobile arena, as long as we can keep him close to T-Mobile arena and close to Summerlin and he isn't getting too much trouble because that. Well, you know, Patrick King, he's got a history. And, uh, you know, it's been very quiet of late for McCrimmon, but I always said uh, from the outset that McCrimmon's job is only as safe as Jack Eichel allows it to be. I feel that Jack Eichel, he's he's riding his coattails. He said, here's a player that can change a game in one shift. And I do believe that if VGK fails to make the playoffs this year, that should be the end of McCrimmon and possibly McPhee. I do. I, I, I seriously believe in that. But, you know, I, I just think they said he wants to have them establish um, a better home record in the second half. And health, of course, is a big issue. And we'll get into, you know, aging players and long-term contracts in a moment. But the job security of Kelly McCrimmon, he should not be feeling safe. And I, I, the only reason why I say this is because, he is ultimately responsible for putting players on the ice. Someone had a really good point yesterday. If we keep on trading, if VGK keeps on trading for these players uh, with nothing in return, it's going to somehow impact this organization. Organization, and and I have to I have to agree with them there. I do because they're going to need some players. And don't <laughs> the one thing I don't want to hear from Kelly McCrimmon. In the second half of the season, Chris, I do not want to hear McCrimmon say, well, this player will be back by the playoffs. No, 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 no. I don't want to deal with that again because we dealt with that last year when they said, yeah, Mark Stone will be back. Uh, Smith will be back. This one's coming back. No, no. Like you need to play for the here and now and then worry about who's going to be healthy for the playoffs later. Who's our Evgeny Dodonov season six? Who are we going to accidentally trade? And have them come back because we didn't get the no trade uh, teams got so bad. Um, so Kelly McCrimmon attached himself to Jack Eichel. One thousand percent fair statement. Agree. Disagree on these trades for nothing because you know we we've talked about this on the show before. You have to you had to give away Max Patch ready. If we could have got a draft pick or something better in return, cool. But that gave us the ability to keep to keep uh, Riley Smith to keep. Uh, Colasar to resign Nick Wass. So, I mean, there, there's those types of moving pieces. And as long as we are a cap team, this is going to happen repeatedly. And that's just the nature of the beast. I'm okay with those moves. And I don't want to jump too far into our next segment, but you know, this is an aging roster. And one of my comments that I've made many times, I have been in love with Kelly McCrimmon as far as what he has done for this team in the first, you know, five and now six seasons. First four seasons, you know, he technically wasn't the GM for all of those, but he was a big part of 
roster composition from day one. I'm not going to criticize anyone who takes three of their first four seasons to the conference finals or better. No criticism whatsoever. I don't care what moves got made. I will never criticize that, especially for a brand new organization. Season five, benefit of the doubts. Injuries, fine. I'm all day, benefit of the doubt. He, McPhee, Foley, anyone else involved on a high level of this team have earned that right to get the benefit of the doubts. We love the season five roster when the season started as far as being the best roster on paper. Insert Jack Eichel, but obviously Mark Stone goes down, all the injuries happen, fine, whatever, so be it. Move on from there, race the season, get it out of our memory bank. Season six, we were giddy. We were in love. Things were going well. We solved our goaltending issue. We were 13 and three. We had a long winning streak. We were the first team to defeat the mighty Boston Bruins on the road. And, you know, uh, Jack Eichel goes into uh, Buffalo and, you know, just mic drops and uh, send them home and all of that happened. So everything was going so well for a while, but now here come the injuries again. Are these injuries happening because Mark Stone is breaking down? Is Alec Martinez breaking down? Again, two what seem to be non-contact injuries. You know, Miramanov getting hurt blocking a shot, fine, bad luck. Zach Whitecloud getting his foot falling on, bad luck. Shea Theodore knee on knee, incidental contact, bad luck. But there's not, all these injuries are not bad luck right now. These are older players that are wearing down, and that that is on the crimin. Isn't that our next segment? I don't know. I, I You jumped the gun, so I jumped the gun, and we kept going. So <laughs> take us to the next segment, and we'll keep going. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, no. Up next, Your camera. Coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking <laughs> about uh, – well, Chris wanted to definitely get into this. He wanted to delve into the uh, subject about VGK's long-term contracts, aging players. Is it coming back to haunt the VGK? We'll return with more right after this on Lockdown Golden Knights. A lot of haunts right now. <laughs> Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And we thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And uh, again, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Lockdown Golden Knights, and uh, check us out on Twitter. And when Chris covers the games, you have to follow him at TD Chris G because it is really good information as the game goes along. And a lot of times, even the folks on TV and radio miss a lot of things that Chris can see there in person. Yes. Okay. About radio TV. I hate to be a Debbie downer about this, but again, the narrative is you're down one, nothing injuries hit the injury button. Oh, we've got the injuries. Okay. Two, nothing. Yeah. You know, but they're playing. Okay. That is something that is out of the control of EGK. What is under the control of the entire organization and especially Bruce Cassidy and the team and the players is playing with emotion. And that's where they stunk last year. That's where they stunk it up. They did not play. They were lethargic. Remember late in the season must win games and they just could not deliver. Why not because of the injuries, but the players they had on the ice were not inspired. So to me, I think that that's the greater issue again. It's just that this team, and it might be Mark Stone's absence, who knows? But even sometimes with Stone on the ice, they don't play that inspired brand of hockey that we feel that they need to, especially at home. And you wanted to talk about, I just kind of went off on a tangent there, but you wanted to talk about uh, these long-term contracts and aging players, and perhaps uh, this could be leading to a lot of absences with this team. And 
Uh, you know, you mentioned before the, the break, you mentioned Alec Martinez's name, right? It's not been right this entire season. Lost a step. He lost a step. And uh, what do they have on his contract? A couple of years left. And everyone that they locked down, they're three, five, seven. I mean, the Carlson, the Carlson contract is through 2026. Seriously, I know I, I goof around. And that is, I go through 25. Uh, Wild through 2026. Riley Smith now through 25. Petrangelo through 2026. Leonard through 2024. I mean, those are some of the contracts that they, they're going to be stuck with. Eventually, they will be stuck with a lot of these contracts. And I think that that is to the detriment of this organization. A lot of points, a lot of very good points made right there. And Alec Martinez, um, I put out, he lost a race very badly early in the first period along the boards where he had the step. And he lost the race. I mean, I, I forgot who it was. It was their third line winger. I forgot who the player was. It wasn't Jason Robertson. It wasn't someone like that. But point being is when the defenseman has a step, you got to get to the puck. And it didn't create a big scoring opportunity, but right there in that moment, like you're watching, and there's a lot of times we've seen Alec Martinez just not be as quick on his ankles and his cuts. He makes up for a lot of his lack of recent ability to skate as well with his ability to block shots, with his brain, with uh, his knowledge of the game. But that's only going to take you so far. Peyton Manning, for example. Peyton Manning was able to extend his career a long time. Dude was pretty smart. you know. But unfortunately, he doesn't have the rushing ability of Justin Fields. I know it's not an apples-to-apples apples situation. But you know, there's a little bit of logic that we can take to the ice with uh, that sort of thing right now. Players are catching up to him. He's getting older. And he's got thousands and thousands and thousands of hockey pucks taken to his body. A lot of places where padding doesn't even exist. Dude's an absolute warrior. It's catching up to him. William Carlson, the way VGK has just given away players, Tony, the way they've actually just said, okay, take this player for nothing for future considerations for a bag of pucks, for a water bottle, for a seventh round draft pick, please, Max Pacioretty, please take Max Pacioretty. Oh, and by the way, we'll even give you Dylan Coglin, who we could use Dylan Coglin right now, by the way. Dylan Coughlin would actually be a great fit in the situation that we're currently dealing with. So that's an underrated, uh, impactful move right now. William Carlson, you bleepity bleep poop emoji swear word. Frickin. Believe frickin. There you go. Believe that William Carey, uh, William Carey. God, now I'm getting my Williams mixed up. The, the worst of the Williams on the team, William Carlson. Ooh, that hurts. You can bet your bottom dollar that, McCrimmon shopped him to anyone that would take his contract at full. I will confidently say that 10,000%. And there probably was not one taker in the NHL that would take him for anything less than VGK keeping half his salary. At that point, we're going to gamble and hope he can find it. So, yes, that's a long contract. Nick Waugh contract I like. Um, Jack Eichel contract I like. Alex Petrangelo. I mean, here's another one we can talk about as far as breakdowns go. He's playing phenomenal. He's playing phenomenal. He's asked to play 30 minutes, 30 freaking minutes a game or more, 30 minutes of NHL hockey. And part of this is because of the injuries. Part of this is because VGK is desperate for wins. His breakdown is coming if it's not already happening. Look at his, uh, at his, uh, heat, at his uh, heat maps and things on like Money Puck and stuff like that that show the quality that of the games that the players have. The last game, like the players who weren't on the ice a lot had the best games, like Ben Hutton. Uh, freeze all, all these players who Ron Bjerg, who bear, who had like six minutes, 
Petrangelo, he was all the way on the left. If you're on the left, it's bad. If you're on the right, it's good. Easy way to explain this. Petrangelo is almost as far left as you could go. Not his fault. I understand that. But Petrangelo, I don't think can make, can last the season at A, at full health, or B, at full ability is probably the better word we can use with all these minutes he's getting. And last time I checked, the season does not get easier on these players the deeper it goes. It gets harder. The games get more intense. They get more physical. That's another thing we can talk about, the physicality. You know, there's so many things that come out when things aren't going well. And, you know, a lot of questions exist right now. A lot of questions exist right now about what McCrimmon's done about these contracts. And I know I'm on a bit of a rant right now, but it's all fair. It's all things that need to be acknowledged as we get into Troubled waters, my favorite term, which I mentioned back in November about this team. Yeah, you could start to see things going a little bit sideways. And when Bruce Cassidy had said, you know, that this team wasn't playing with emotion back in November, um, we could sort of sense that he urgency. wanted to make urgency. sure, yeah, they needed a sense of urgency that they were not playing with. Great uh, word there in quote. And then uh, the roster construction. This is a roster that might have been really good three years ago, if you think about it. It's decent now. It's decent now. I mean, we Again, we have to acknowledge the success that this team had at full health. We have to make sure we keep that. We have to stay neutral about that. When this roster is healthy, we have checked out the, we have checked off the box about goaltending. When, you know, Logan's struggling a little bit right now, but we feel confident. Last three games, NG. Yeah, no, and, and that, that's also very fair. Aiden Hill is fine, but is Aiden Hill the one who's going to bring us all the way to glory at the end of the season? Eh, he can help if needed, but LT's got to be the man. But point being is we're confident in Logan Thompson. Even though he's having a bit of a rough patch, we are confident. He was fine last game. He was fine against Dallas. He gave the team a chance to win. That's the only thing that a goalie needs to do is give the team a chance to win. This team early in the season, they look like a cup competitor, Tony. At full health, they look like a cup competitor, when Bruce Cassidy had all the tools at his disposal to, you know, make the lines what they were and the, the moves he made worked. They're not working now. Is it because of personnel? Is it because of lack of intensity, urgency, heart, emotion, whatever Chicago, you know, AM uh, 720 or the score uh, 900 you want to use, uh, you know, another story for another time. But point being is, you know, maybe this is a uh, Chris Condos, love you, man, but uh, the fire and passion stuff here. You know, maybe uh, just a little bit of that that's lacking. We had fans in the in the 200 level shouting that nonsense. You got to hit someone. You need more more emotion. Show some heart. It's like, oh, my God, is this really where the BGK is at right now? Yeah, it really is. And as we've mentioned, this is not the roster. This is These are the cards that were dealt to Bruce Cassidy. This is not the roster that he wants. This is not the type of player. That he wants. I don't think any coach gets that though now, Tony. With how I don't think any coach besides But look at look Cooper, at what they built, but look at know. what they built in Boston and just that gritty nature of that team and just how the physicality of that team. That's what really stands out. And that's how they built the Boston Brewers. And you're saying and Cassidy is a part of that because he had a lot of these players at the AHL and kind of molded him his way. I think I think I think a lot of it had to do with him helping out. Okay. I'm sure with players that fit his system, you know, sometimes like in football. Okay. I can go to this in football. Uh, there's a new defensive coordinator, right? At UNLV. And they're going to build the defensive structure and the scheme around the talent that they have. Not, they're not going to come in with a system that they've identified already. 
they're going to build it around those players. But Cassidy still sticks to his system with players that might not fit into this system right now. So there was that that sense. No, 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 it does. And there was something that I pointed. I'm just watching the clock right now. This is a lot of good stuff right now. I wish we had more time. But um, I mentioned that I found it strange in the opening presser where, where, where friggin' McCrimmon, frickin McCrimmon frickin had yeah. to sit next to Cassidy for God knows what reason. And someone was asked about roster composition, what the coach's role is in that. And McCrimmon, they're independent of each other. Basically, McCrimmon says, I'm making the roster. You deal with it. That's what he said. That's my paraphrase. But you know, like, I don't know. I would think if I'm, if, if I'm the coach, I would at least like to have a little bit of, Hey, this is, I, I get, this is the roster now, but you know, look at what David Krejci did. Look at what David Pasternak did for me. I'm not saying we go out and get those guys, but those types of players really fit in my system. Looking down the road, if there are some trade targets, if there's some free agency, can we look at players that fit that mold? And, you know, that would be the type of conversation that I think any coach in the NHL should be able to have in an open door conversation with the GM. But McCrimmon, for lack of a better term, nope, I'm making the roster. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen that come back to haunt them, too, when they don't have enough players on the ice and oh, all that. And it's I coming. definitely it's coming. No, I definitely want to talk as well. Can we put this on tomorrow's show's uh, docket about Jack Eichel? He needs a line mate. He oh, needs God, yeah. a pairing. Can we that, talk about that? Of course. I, I called Nick Waugh. Couldn't even handle a hot pass from him early in the first. Would have been a great scoring chance. Totally. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. But uh, it's of great concern here as this roster starts to wear down the long-term contracts, players that are now aging, players like uh, Martinez. I was looking at Alec Martinez, his stats, and you know, obviously he has not scored a goal, but the most shots he's taken in the game I think is three. And he just doesn't have that explosiveness. And just that right circle slap shot was just heavy. That was a heavy shot. It was pretty good. But we haven't seen that, have we? I mean, I haven't seen him load up there from the right circle and try to blast it into the net. Not at all. Not at it's, all. That, there's there's that a lot of questions sign. right now. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's only Wednesday. We can talk more about it on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, okay. There's winding up this home stretch uh, game number six coming up against Detroit tomorrow. I'm concerned they've been home too long. Yeah, 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 all that. And now they're going to have an all star break here coming up shortly. Another excuse where they get to. Oh, my goodness. Another excuse. A lot more on the way tomorrow. The preview of VGK against the Red Wings for my man, Chris Golick. I'm Tony Cardasco. We thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. See you tomorrow right here on Lockdown Golden Knights.